0: Hi, I'm Wendy Mosier, and welcome to Love You, Mom, and Alzheimer's Story. This is a new podcast brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Podcast. If you haven't heard of Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Podcast, please check us out on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, search for our channel, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures, push the subscribe button, if you're enjoying this podcast, each week we will put up a video with associated pictures. Generally, pictures of my mom and Chris and John and I throughout the "quote unquote" adventure experience of Alzheimer's. We also have a website, ToastedMarshmallowAdventures.com. We have a Facebook page, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures. We have Instagram, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures One. We promote this podcast on those sites, so we'd love it if you would follow us on social media, push the like button, tell your friends, share, subscribe, follow. Helps us a lot, and we are grateful. Thank you so much. Now let's get on with the show. It's been quite a while since I've heard my mom speak in full sentences. It's been quite a while since she has been able to dial the phone and call me up and just chat. We, over the years, have chatted for hours, literally hours. Sometimes it would be, you know, John would run off to go do errands and mom and I would be on the phone when he would leave and we would still be on the phone a couple of hours later uh, when he got back and she would always joke, it's Jane, a fictitious person that we made up that if she was on the phone, what we was probably considered too long because we just would go on and on. Uh, she would say it was Jane, and John knew exactly that it was me. And at the end of the calls, we would always say, well, we've solved all the world problems, and laugh and get off the phone. And the thing of it was we hadn't, uh, next time we talked could be another hour phone <laughs> conversation that started maybe with me calling to get a recipe or her calling you know, to talk to me about flowers or what they'd done recently, and we would just go off. And I miss that so much. I called their house a couple of months ago uh, to speak with John and was surprised when the he wasn't home and the answering machine picked up, and it was my mom's voice. And it boy, it choked me up. It was uh, her sounding really happy and upbeat and you know, just a standard message on an answering machine, but it it brought it all back. And I, I texted John after that and said, um, wow, uh, that shocked me. <laughs> it was a good shock, but uh, I really felt it. So in this episode, our third episode of Love You, Mom, and Alzheimer's story, I wanted to get into the diagnosis of Alzheimer's and the recheck we all noticed that ch- things were changing with my mom there was surgery a couple years ago and my mom came down to help me i thought it would be great to have my mom around me and it was just to during my you know rehab I had a week or two that i was going to be off from work and i wanted to spend it with my mom and we had fun we went out shopping and i anticipated that she would drive me around It seemed though that I should probably be the one driving. So I started monitoring, you know, when I was taking my pain meds so that I could drive us because she seemed a little bit hesitant, more hesitant than usual with the traffic here. There's, this is a much larger area than they're used to driving and I also noticed that my mom has always loved combining things. So if you have a couple containers of one thing, say may- mayonnaise in your fridge, she always wants to put, you know, one into the other and recycle the mayonnaise container. So I thought she might enjoy helping me combine soaps, uh, liquid soaps, and Purell at the house. So I got out the bigger containers and asked her if she could combine them or, you know, fill them up. And when she had completed it, well first off she said she couldn't finish, which is not like her. And then she ended up putting them together. So we had, you know, soap with Purel, Purel she added water to. It was just different. It wasn't, they weren't, I wasn't able to use them afterwards. I never said anything because I just noticed. I just, that was a change. It was around this time that she decided she'd better stop driving and it killed her. She was starting to get a little lost in McCall and wondering if she should stop. Ultimately, she did decide on her own and John and I fully backed her decision. It was a tough skill to lose, though, and it really, really weighed on my mom. It made her mad at times, to be honest. John never had to hide the keys, and she would tell me that sometimes she thought about hopping in the car and taking a drive, but luckily she never did, and I don't think we truly ever thought she would. As the deg- disease progressed, though, the anger regarding not her inability to drive would come up at times. And she, she also got depressed. So that, that didn't help that matter. We would acknowledge how she felt because think about it. That's tough to, you know, be physically still able and mentally deciding you're not able. We all love the freedom of driving, just, you know, running out to your car, hopping in and you're off and. We would follow it up with that we thought it was a really brave and kind decision. She hated the thought of people, friends, picking her up to take her somewhere. And I would tell her that people do that all the time. In fact, I drive so much for work that I am really happy when other people want to drive. But I still have the ability, and so it's different. I understood that it made her feel like a child. I didn't realize how proud my mom was until she got Alzheimer's. There have been many, many times in this process, and I'll detail them later, that my mom has shown me in no uncertain terms that as her daughter, she did not want me to help her in, in the activity we were trying to accomplish, usually an activity of daily living, so helping her with the bathroom or helping her take a shower. We had to respect those wishes until... it no longer became an an issue till she it no longer mattered or she was no longer able to voice it in the same way. She felt like a kid, even though she knew it was right to stop driving. If you asked her about it, she would say she never wanted to hurt herself or anyone else. She was also having to be reminded frequently of the plan, where we were going and what we were doing, and she would put on a brave and happy face. I would try and put myself in her position to be confused, to trust us, and yet she was always someone that was part of the plan. She would come up with ideas and great suggestions and want to do fun things, and she was a, a big time planner. If people were coming over, she wanted to have the house ready, have food ready, and so... It was obvious that that was difficult. She wasn't able to keep the plan in her head and therefore would ask a lot if we, you know, if they had the correct food at the house, if we needed anything. And this was all so kind and generous and just who she is. And yet still it was repeated lots and lots of times throughout our visits. I know there was depression that came along with this. I think she tried to shield me a lot from the sadness and tried to be happy around me. But I I really know my mom. I would say we're very close, and I can kind of read her. We've talked a lot of our relationship over the phone with their traveling, you know, 22 years of our relationship. so i-i can read her, and i-i know what she's thinking a lot of times and over the the last couple of years, those calls have dramatically decreased. I miss them, I miss them so much. I started to get calls during the day when I was working, and she was looking for John and i I'd have her look around for a note. John would never leave without leaving a note. As the months passed, she would sound panicked, and I began to get calls during the day when I was working, and she was looking for John. In the beginning, I would hear, Wendy, do you know where John is? And I'd have her look around for a note. John would never leave without leaving a note. As the months passed, though, she would sound panicked. I'd pick up the phone, and I'd hear, John, John, And I'd be in a client's home yelling usually, Mom, Mom, it's me, Wendy. It's Wendy on the phone. What's going on? Are you okay? And she'd tell me that she couldn't find John. She didn't know where he was. And if she didn't see a note, and I never bought that because John always left a note, I think Mom was panicking and just couldn't or didn't see them in that state. So I would ask if Lily, their dog, was there. Were the cars there? Do you see John outside? And a lot of times she would just see him walking back with Lily, or I would stay on the phone until she sounded calmer, and then text John on his cell that mom was looking for him. These were tough times because she was still appearing completely, quote-unquote, normal to most people. And this is all from my perspective, of course. John was with her all of the time, and he he would know more if people were sensing things. But my impression was that she was still appearing to have it, for the most part, together. You know, confusion and things. And I also know she was really struggling to want to leave the house. That's part of this. So she didn't want to go out and be around people. She was depressed and I think was trying to avoid social situations. I remember having lots of talks with her about what she believed was her cognitive decline. And because I know my mom, and maybe everybody is like this, but I I felt like I really had to downplay anything she thought was an issue. I didn't want her to worry, and we didn't know. I actually didn't think that she was going to get Alzheimer's at all. Her mom had had it, and for some reason I had it in my head that it was just going to skip her generation and we didn't have to worry about it, that that this worrying and the concern were all for nothing. I also have a great denial feature built into me that when something really bad is happening around me, I can kind of ignore it and actually eventually believe that it is not happening, to the point that animals of mine have been given a month to live, and I find myself completely shocked when it actually occurs. And it always blows my mind that my denial is so strong that, you know, because I can look back and remember the vet telling me that the animal had a month to live and yet still be blown away a month later when they eventually end up passing. This might come from living with an alcoholic. I'm almost positive it is having to ignore, avoid, act like everything's fine. Uh, And that's for a totally different podcast. With this denial, I didn't feel like I was able to empathize as much as I wish I'd been. And that was because I was in such denial that there was even a possibility that she would get Alzheimer's. I would tell her that she, or she would tell me that she couldn't remember certain things and she was scared. I related it to how my senior cleaning clients would forget things all over the place and about just about anything. And how I'd taken gerontology classes in college and there was a normal cognitive decline that you were going to see as you aged and not to worry. And that I forgot things too, all of the time. And since I'm 27 years younger, I would tell her you're fine. I would just try to distract her and get her out of her funk. I wanted to go have fun with my mom. I didn't want her to worry. I'm not exactly sure what made her finally decide to get the cognitive test. Was it just noticing everything she'd been forgetting? But she went in and she took it. And if I remember correctly, she said they were watching her while she took it, and she felt really nervous. She told me she wasn't able to finish it. And at the time, I remember that I took that as time-wise because my mom has always been a great student and a voracious reader. I took it that she just ran out of time, like you do sometimes. You focus so much on some questions of a test that the time runs out. I never, it just didn't hit me, really, that she, when she said she couldn't finish it, she meant she couldn't do it. She could not do aspects of that test and she told me about the clock, the clock test. I asked her about it, and she couldn't really describe it, so I looked it up online. Here's what I found. It says, what does drawing a clock have to do with dementia? The clock drawing test is a simple tool that is used to screen people for signs of neurological problems such as Alzheimer's and other dementias. It is often used in combination with other more thorough screening tests, but even when used by itself, it can provide helpful insight into a person's cognitive ability. It is designed to detect early brain changes to determine if an indi- individual may be suffering from a form of dementia. The test uses a pre drawn circle and consists of asking the patient to put in the numbers on the clock and then to set the time to, quote, 10, so the number 10, past, 11. So that's how it's written. The number 10 P A S T 11. So this broke my heart when I realized that my mom couldn't draw, draw an old school clock that said 10 past 11. And I, I actually spent time wondering if I could do it. I think I actually tried doing it myself because everything's digital now. It's rare that we have, you know, those big wall clocks like we had in school that have the big hand and the little hand i remember being in disbelief that she wasn't able to do that test and then sad and then straight to denial over the weeks we would talk about things that the doctor said she could do to combat dementia i know for sure he talked about increasing her cardio and to add in more of that kind of fitness because at one point i was going to do a body combat video for her But it did not sound like she was going to try it, so I never did. Body combat is a high-intensity cardio workout that Chris and I both teach. And so I thought, wouldn't that be fun? We do a little video for mom, and then she does it in their living room. She ups her cardio, and no Alzheimer's. It's just, that's where my brain goes. How do we fix this? I also felt like if it was me, I'd practice that damn clock. But I don't think she did. And I, I tell myself I would have memorized it. I would, would have practiced it every day, but realistically, probably not. And when I thought about the cardio, I mean, my mom is really physically fit and always has been. She could out hike most men of their hiking boots and at a steady pace forever. She was an incredible hiker. So there's normal aging and then there's dementia. And while some mild changes in cognition are considered a normal part of the aging process, dementia is not. Normal age-related declines are subtle and mostly affect the speed of thinking and attentional control. Ten warning signs of dementia. Memory loss. Difficulty with tasks. Disorientation. Language problems. Changes in abstract thinking. Poor judgment, poor spatial skills, misplacing things we noticed other changes with my mom. She was losing a lot of things, misplacing credit cards were being left places, and Mom and John would have to call businesses or go back and search. She misplaced slash lost hearing aids, her glasses. And when they couldn't be found, John was replacing them and buying new ones. Like her mom before her, Grandma Osborne, the calls slowed to a halt. I would call her, but the calls had gotten tough for me. I struggled to call at times because my mom was sad, and it was so difficult to hear. And then I'd be sad for much of the day, which isn't a reason not to call, but I I have a big it, it just didn't fit in with my denial, so I would try. I really would. It was just tough. If she was super down, I could feel it. I could f- almost feel it inside, and I wanted to help her. Or if my mom was confused on the phone, that was hard. Her hearing after growing up with a dad as a gunsmith was pretty poor, is pretty poor. Hearing aids definitely helped, but not on the phone. She'd take them out a lot, and I'd be yelling, <laughs> just asking her how she was, trying to get her mind off things, talk about happy things, talk about the sun being out and the beautiful creek in front of their property and when we were going to see each other next. So when she went in the first time, the doctor said there was enough evidence to suggest that they wanted to see her again in six months. Six months went, came and went and she went in and got the the confirmation of alzheimers early onset alzheimers and sorry there's really no other way to explain how i felt except for fuck it was as simple as that because i didn't i didn't believe it it was it was such a shock Lots of tears. Lots and lots of tears. (laughs) My mom was depressed. I wanted her to continue to live. We all decided we wouldn't hide her. We'd take her everywhere and we'd be with her and keep her safe. I really, really struggled through this time. At the time, Chris and I were still teaching body combat and our job was to go into the studio and be happy and available for people and have the, not only the physical energy, but the mental energy. And so before and after class, people would come up and talk to us. And a lot of times it was griping about their day. You know, traffic was really bad. Work was terrible. I can't wait for this class. I can't wait to burn it off. And a lot of people became friends over the years. And I noticed I just did not have the it didn't have the mental energy anymore to to listen to that to take it in and let go of it it just was piling up um because in my mind the only thing in there was my mom has alzheimers it would just repeat on a loop and how do i fix it and what do i do and how do i how do i spend as much time as possible with her and how do i tell her everything i need her to know How do I ask her all of the questions that I don't even know that I need answered yet? How do I get all of her wisdom from her right now before it's too late? And how do I let her know how much I love her? I was only focused on my mom. And what I thought was really unusual about this time is that because although my mom and I are more like friends we really never talked about the diagnosis again. She told me a couple times uh and I think just from there I didn't want to um I didn't want her to worry and I didn't want her to think I was worrying. And so we didn't bring it up. It was very strange to me. And we talked about every other thing. I just wanted her to be happy. And I guess I I just didn't feel like rehashing things would make anything better. So we just, we tried. We tried to go. Well, we did. We didn't just try. We did. We went to shows and we... Went out to eat and we carried on as we had and we became available for, you know, the panic calls and the, we just, we just kind of dug in and tried to be available and ready for whatever was going to happen next. There was a lot of Googling as well. I Googled the heck out of the word Alzheimer's. (laughs) You know, you just want to know what might, what, what you might be in for, what your person might have to deal with. Is there any way you can help? People with Alzheimer's have four different sections that they might experience. So cognitive decline, behavioral changes, mood changes, psychological, it affects every aspect of their lives. Under cognitive, there's the mental decline, difficulty thinking and understanding, inability to do simple math or recognize common thing, inability to create new memories, forgetfulness. We would go on a lot of hikes with mom, and sometimes she'd turn to me and not know who I was exactly. And yet, no, because if you said, oh, that's, you know, I'm Wendy, she would say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, almost be embarrassed. She wouldn't be able to remember after we'd just gone out and done something. We would be reliving it and she had no memory of it. And that was probably terrifying. It seemed like it made her really sad. She would say, I don't, I don't remember that. And we'd say, we just, we just got home from whatever it was. And God, that's got to be scary. There was a lot of forgetfulness, confusion as things went on. There were mood changes. She didn't have, she had some anger, but anger, apathy, general discontent, loneliness, mood swings. I would say she felt lonely sometimes in her own head, maybe just generally depressed overall, unless we were all together and getting her mind off it. Psychological, there's depression, hallucinations, paranoia. We saw some hallucinating situations and I'll detail that as we get into this a little bit more. And under dep- under behavioral, there's a there can be aggression, agitation, difficulty with self-care, irritability, meaningless repetition of words, personality changes, restlessness, lack of restraint, and wandering or getting lost. There're seven stages of Alzheimer's. The first two you may not even notice. Stage three is mild decline. And it's at this state that you might start noticing changes in your loved ones, thinking and reasoning. They might ask the same question over and over, have more trouble making plans and organizing, can't remember names when meeting people. It goes into moderate decline, moderately severe, and severe. And we've been working through all of that. Stage seven is very severe decline, and it is this stage that I am dreading. In this stage, many basic abilities in a person with Alzheimer's, such as eating, walking, and sitting up, fade during this period. You can stay involved by feeding your loved one soft, easy to swallow food, helping them use a spoon, and making sure they drink. This is in, it is in this stage when people often can't tell if they're thirsty anymore. So to end this podcast, I went back and I looked. I looked in my phones to see when was the last message I received from my mom. Phone message, because I have saved every single text, every picture, every everything from my mom over the years. I've just, she's just been, as I've said, she's been my everything. And I always want to remember. I have notes from When I was a kid, that she would stick in my lunches. I have all the happy, almost lovely letters. I mean, just she filled me up with her words. She's just so positive and kind to me. And I don't think that's always a given. I feel really lucky. I don't feel like everybody has this kind of a great relationship with their parents. And I know I didn't with my dad. And so I really value my relationship with my mom. And I found the last message on my phone. It's a minute and one second. It's from March 9th, 2019. And we were meeting them for a trip. Hi Wendy, it's Mom. Obviously. Um, we're headed out. A little bit out of the ways of out of town. And we'll keep you posted for where we are and what we're up to so oh, eager to see you when you get to the coast thanks for your message yesterday and uh, <laughs> I should have just put the phone up to here. <laughs> overnight at Overnight at Sisters uh, Motor Lodge in Sisters Oregon got that if not call back and I'll put the phone up to John's lips okay a little bit anyway see you see you soon bye bye thank you so much for listening as we've said before we'll be posting a a video on our YouTube channel toasted marshmallow adventures channel you'd like to go ahead and subscribe and follow us there thank you for all of the kind words and comments texts and messages we appreciate them so much the next episode we will go into march 2020 bend oregon when covid hits thank you thank you for listening please go hug a loved one hug your mom and we'll see you in the next episode Love you, Mom. An Alzheimer's story.